I just came back from the salon. And for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time <laughs> with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells un. Believable, Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze's other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. Well, we've also got a lot of questions wanting to know what do you actually do? Because specifically, people are wondering, like, how'd you get so rich? My background is in direct response marketing for about 20 years. So our company does, you know, advertising. We, we have a platform that helps people acquire customers. So when you're shopping online or on the internet and something pops, we have the algorithm behind why you're getting served that ad. It's lucrative. The only thing I've been accused of stealing is focus. It's so good. I love it so much. It's so dumb. It's so, it's dumb. so perfect. I love it so much. All you. I want to hear yours. I want to hear yours. I'm a former deputy district attorney, and if I don't know where the bodies are buried, I'll find them. <gasps> the drama. The drama. Oh my She's god. Dramatic, the dramatic friends. She's dramatic. Whipping She's my hair. Dramatic. She's dramatic. She's all powerful. We are having, guys, oh my God. First up, you guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode Go Fuck Yourself. It's a two parter where we, we're at, it's like 207 Plan B or something. Maybe not Plan B. That's another kind of combo. But um, I cannot tell you. So much is happening in the Bravo world, and we just need to jump into it. And I have to introduce. The guest who many, many a Bravo and pop culture fan already know and love, and it's her first time to the People's People's Couch. You guys, she is everyone's favorite legal commentator and the host of The Emily Show, a terrific name, by the way, where she gives a fresh take on legal commentary in the news and pop culture stories you want to talk about and 
Lord knows we've got a lot to fucking discuss. Emily D. Baker, welcome to Andy's Girl. I'm so fucking excited to be here. I'm happy that we get to curse. <laughs> I get to be fully embodied as myself. I am a Bravo addict Housewives fan. I also have like 15 years of legal experience. So mm. this has become my Super Bowl. Like I was built for this. I yes. w- am a former criminal prosecutor. I spent a summer working with the AUSA's office in Los Angeles. So it's wow. like when my experience and all the shit I watch mm. on TV meld together, Converge. I'm like, I live. I live. I mean, you could not be more qualified in general to speak about Andy's about Andy's girls. Sure, to speak to Andy's girls, speaking. but also about Bravo than what this week has been, which has. I mean, it's been. I've heard from so many ags the rush we all feel, the high of it, the drama, the theatrics, the phones melting the down, the full glam, the walking out of the federal courthouse yes. in in knee high boots and that coat. I mean, the 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 glamour of it all. <laughs> when is the last time an accused, you know, accused of a federal crime, you know, person? comes out defendant whatever comes out of the courthouse and is told you look fabulous you know I mean, bravo fans out there to welcome her to crime maybe Wonderful. when Teresa walked out because people knew when her court dates were mm-hmm. i mean this was a a serendipitous coincidence i feel like the fbi did her a solid by waiting till she was in glam and they were recording mm-hmm. so that you know the photos looked good i think she should send a fruit basket no she shouldn't it's a joke don't send a fruit basket. They'll charge her with bribery. I'm <laughs> only half teasing. But they did her a solid waiting till she was in hair and makeup. They could have arrested her at 2 a.m. at her house and dragged her out of bed. So this was a this was a solid. I mean, she I was mean, at least in hair and makeup. That glam, maybe she should have been arrested for I the mean, glam alone. And everything else is just an accessory to the crime. Talk about accessory, those braids. A lot it's, happening. It's a lot happening with the braid. And I think there's going to be a lot of outrage. And I don't think she knew she was being arrested until we see otherwise. I don't think she knew that this was the day it was going down. I suspect she knew this was coming based on the stuff that we're going to get into. But I don't think she knew like today was the day. I don't think she woke up and was like, this is my going to jail glam. I don't think she did. I think it was just what she was choosing to go on the the cast trip. Oh, I totally don't think that she knew that this was going to be. I think she thought she was going to go on the trip and this is where we are. So, um, Still, you know, choosing it, the braids after the backlash from last season is, wild. is an interesting choice. And she's doubling down, as Jen is known to do. I mean, Jen had, has carried on this sort of a complex about victimization in order to protect and defend her herself against genuine critique about her behavior. I mean, it's one yeah. thing to talk to her experiences of being othered, potentially on the show, but also IRL as a woman of color, in both the Mormon community, but also yeah. just in Salt Lake generally, there's genuine validity to that. And then there's the route that Jen took, which was borrowing from the experiences of black women, which is not hers, but also finding a way to almost manipulate the conversation about her behavior into something else in order to distract, which I would think is some sort of narrative that ultimately will be carried over into however she chooses to handle what's going on. Oh, I imagine so. 
Right. But speaking of what's going on, can I get just like a little bit of a worldview from you because of your experience? And where were you a prosecutor? What um... I was an L.A. County deputy district attorney for over 10 years. So they are the largest prosecutorial agency. So in the country, uh, in the world, <laughs> oh my God, okay. LADAs has the most attorneys. I mean, unless you take the U S attorney's office as a whole, but the U S attorney's office have their own little, their own little divisions. So the LADAs office is massive and I did all different types of criminal prosecution from, you know, your, your murders to white collar crimes to high tech crimes, fraud. I loved fraud cases. So they were, they tended to be my favorite. So when you get a good scheme, I'm just like, yes, because with, with fraud, here's the thing with fraud, not all criminal attorneys like fraud, but with fraud crimes, you get everything. You get subpoenas to social media accounts, Twitter accounts, bank records. Like if you're nosy and you want to be that bitch, you get to dig through people's whole ass lives different than in your more violent crimes. So I really enjoyed (laughs) plowing through all of people's business. I'm obsessed with this. So can you give us a little bit of a summary of what is actually going on? What's she being accused of and use, you know, whatever fun words you want, but just to, as a little bit of a translator to the absolutely, we're going to, we're going to turn, you know, legal into curse words and layman's terms. And I, on, on my content and on the YouTube channel and the show, I don't like referring to my audience as lay people. We call them legal muggles because they just haven't been versed in the language of the lawyers. And that's the hard thing with an indictment. So she's being charged in federal court by the Southern District of New York, who do not play. Yeah, as, of, a, as a New Yorker, we do not fuck around. Cy Vance is a mess, but like yeah, we are, do nope. not play here. We do not. We're do, Trump, and, covering the Trump shit. Yep, we don't nope. fuck around. Tish they go in. not fucking around. Yeah, yeah They yeah. go in. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, don't apologize at all. Jump, Please jump in. They go in. And so the thing about the U.S. Attorney's Office is they have the weight of the federal government behind them. They get to choose the cases that they want to prosecute. And if they choose not to prosecute something, it goes to the state level attorneys. And that's something that happened in L.A. when you would get a federal agent in your office going, well, the feds didn't want this. Do you want this case? And I'd look at it and be like, this is great. What were their problems with it? And they're like, well, it didn't quite have this much video and it didn't have that. The AUSAs are notorious for taking cases that you can put a bow on. And by the time they indict and arrest somebody, they have everything they need to go to trial. Um, There might be a few loose ends that they want, but they have the weight of the evidence out front because they're investigating these things. It's not as if something went down over the weekend and the police arrested people and it all came into court. These are long investigations, particularly in this sector of money laundering and financial crimes, which is what she's being charged with here. So what came down yesterday on March 30th was a indictment with two counts for both Jen Shaw and her first assistant, Stuart Smith. The indictment means that this went to a grand jury and a grand jury saw the evidence and went, yeah, good enough. It seems like they did this. It seems like they did the things. This is not beyond a reasonable doubt. This is good enough to arrest them and charge them with these crimes. This is very common in the federal government. Not all states go through a grand jury, but a grand jury sat down with this, was presented evidence in like a mini trial. There's no defense. Just the prosecution presents both sides at this mini trial and says, this is all the evidence. And then the grand jury either votes to, you know, indict or votes to not indict. So in this case, the grand jury indicted on two counts. 
the scheme with the conspiracy to commit wire fraud that means the conspiracy being doing it with other people y'all y'all chatting about it and doing it all together as a group mm-hmm. and the wire fraud being this underlying telemarketing scheme so the fraud being the scheme and the wire being using the phone systems telemarketing using the internet communicating with other people in the conspiracy and then using that wire fraud charge to kind of encompass this scheme of fraud that we'll get into The second charge is the money laundering, taking money that came from a shady source and running it through different procedures to kind of make it seem as if it's legitimate money. This is like old school mob boss shit when we're talking about money laundering. It's Ozark. Watch Ozark on Netflix, (laughs) honestly, for more about money laundering. And they did, they charged kind of three different aspects of money laundering, like making it seem like it comes from a different source withdrawing funds to make it so it doesn't trigger the reporting so that the way they were pulling money out they allege that there's offshore bank accounts and then there's also an asset forfeiture provision in this which is kind of the t where the government's like look we're going to track down all the money you made from this and then if you put that money into property we're going to go ahead and take that cute thanks bye so we're going to forfeit your assets back to the u.s government because they came from criminal proceeds and i think the asset forfeiture there's a house listed in it. I think it's Stuart Smith's house. I don't think right. it's Jen Shaw's house um, because it's listed in Lehigh, that same area where he lives. And it's, you know, I looked up the address. It's a, you know, a nice house, but a modest house, three bedroom, mm-hmm. two bath, 1,600 square feet, $600,000 according to Zillow. Who knows it, what that means? Hasn't recently been bought or sold. So I think that might be his house, not hers. And there's other asset forfeiture provisions in there as well. So the scheme here the business opportunity scheme is that they were getting these leads and selling them to sales floors that were then defrauding the individuals and what's alleged here is that both jen shaw and smith had quite a lot of control over where these leads were going and how they were being defrauded so they knew that they were taking these leads and selling them into being sold fake online businesses, essentially. It alleges that they were targeting people over the age of 55 who weren't particularly computer savvy, that they were targeting them with coaching sessions. Like, here, let me sit down and tell you why. Let me tell you why you need to buy this business. And then once you buy this business, then you're going to buy, you know, tax services to help with your business. And you're going to buy, you know, web design services to help with your business. And then what we learn from the other indictment, because there's two, what we learn from the other indictment is that if the victims ran out of money or ran up their credit cards in that business opportunity scheme. They went down the line to this like debt consolidation scheme where people were like, Oh, you've gotten into all this debt. If you give us a lump sum payment, we'll consolidate it and take care of the credit card debt. So they just kept literally milking people. And it, it's, it's just, it's kind of your standard fraud scheme we're selling you you know a bridge that doesn't exist and you're going to make money off of this business opportunity we're going to take you online and you just sit back and we've got it handled is very much what it seems like in the other indictment which was um unsealed on november 19th 2019 it charged nine defendants in she is now defendant 10 stort being defendant 11 in this larger case in that they were talking about how the individuals charged there referred to the website where they were starting to get leads from. They called it the money-sucking website internally amongst themselves or the MSW. So 
they the allegations are that this was knowing that they knew they knew the leads they were selling weren't going to get the thing they thought they were getting they knew that they were selling them into this larger fraud ring and they knew that this was the money sucking website like to literally sucking the money out of the individuals that they targeted in the business opportunity scheme and then when they sucked them dry selling them into this debt relief scheme it's just crazy and it's a much larger scheme so there were nine people charged in november 2019 and there was a raid in january 2019 where a lot of technology was seized and after that after the technology was seized individuals charged in november 2019 were trying to remotely wipe the devices so they're also charged with obstruction of justice in addition to the fraud and a number of them have already pled guilty i wonder if some of them who have pled helped provide the information. I'm sure they did. My God. Because Jen Shaw was not in this in 2019. This is um, a guy named Anthony Chidi, Chad Allen, Shane Hanna, Cameron Brewster, Kevin Hendren, a guy named Joseph Caseco, C-I-A-C-C-I-O, if I pronounce that wrong, I apologize, Joseph Minetto, Joseph DePaula, Derek Locken, oh and God, Maddie Cerulio. Like people, minus the Shane and the Chad, sounds like real some real Federal Hill in Providence, Rhode Island names. I'm very <laughs> into the energy. The I, sauce, I mean, the great Joseph, the Sunday gravy. Joe DePaula, Joe I Minetto. I think one of them owns a sunglass shop, and I got some <laughs> discounted Tom Fords, and we're not going to ask any questions we're not asking about any questions. why I just believe strongly in supporting small businesses. Um, yeah, I don't know so, how Chad found his way into this group. <laughs> no, no, the Chad and the Shane. Chad, Chad I don't think it's moved. Emily Shane. I don't think Shane has even honestly that big of an imagination. Um, uh, no, Shane, I'm not going to. Yeah, try, let I'm alone not, skill set. <clears throat> um, yeah. So are, I have so many questions. Yeah. Are Jen and her, I'm calling him hashtag Chief Stu, are Jen <laughs> and Stu being charged together? And yes. if they don't plead out, will they be forced to go through trial together? Yes. They don't necessarily have to go to trial together because what can happen, they're both going to have independent defense attorneys. Right, and, which they do. you know, Jen's defense attorney might be like, uh, no, we're throwing Stu under the bus. And Stu's defense attorney, I imagine, would be like, you are going to tell them everything you fucking know. This is her problem. She's the one with the money. She's the one with the flashy life. You are going to make a deal. You're going to make a deal today. You're going to make a deal immediately. Tell them everything they want to know. Provide all of your emails. Provide everything. Make a deal for yourself. Don't go to prison for her. If I was his defense attorney, that is the conversation I would have had yesterday. Because they're facing 30 years, 30 years, no, 30 years on the... Uh, wire fraud, 20 years on the money laundering. Oh, okay. A little bit of a discount there. Not a quite a BOGO. I don't nice. think they're going to get, they're not going to see that time. I mean, there's no indication that any of them have a record. There's no indication that they've been involved in anything before, but this scheme has been happening since 2012. I mean, come on. It's, it's a long running scheme. And we're not thinking they could, and this is like, sh- you know, kicking the can down the road, but I don't think anyone's thinking 30 years, but people are thinking she's going to I mean, she could go to prison. She, she could go absolutely go to federal prison on this. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think she'll form a Shaw squad the second she gets to federal prison? I mean, who knows if this current Shaw squad has been a practice run for what is to come? <laughs> she'll, you know? she'll squad it up. She she'll does be- like a dress rehearsal. She does. She has been known to do her hair and glam a day Beforehand. or two in advance of an we've event. Seen, her- we've seen it. So listen, maybe this is eight assistants. She's trying to figure out her like football team for exactly. a recess or whatever. 
Um, I have so many questions. So uh, this is a super unfair question because. Sure, do it. Love, favorite thing to do. <laughs> because the Teresa and Joe stuff was primarily through Joe and the Tom and Erica stuff is really Tom because Erica hasn't yes. been charged with anything. But thinking Yet. of the three. Amen. Thinking of the three crimes, the Judice, Judice, Judice of it all, the Girardi, Michigas, and what is now going on at um, the Shaw Chalet, which is worse? Like, can you rank? Th- I know it's so, it's They're really so unfair. Yeah. So, uh, the, yeah, I, I'm I'm on board with the, is it Judice, Judice? I don't know. They've changed so many times over the three. seasons. I, I just, we're, we're whatever. It depends it on is. the season. It, it really does. does. It, how are we feeling? It's like a spring. Do you feel like spring, a fall look today? Are there highlights? Are there not highlights? Are there highlights? Are we doing a low light situation? Maybe that's a Judice. Are, are we doing like yes. hair in a gorgeous top knot? That might be a, um, a, a Judice. Yeah. Oh, that might be a Judice. <laughs> Who's to say? I mean, my say. God. So I think there's always this big difference between legality and morality. And the, the Judice stuff, they were ripping off banks. So for a mm. lot of people, the moral culpability is like, yeah, well, banks could be crooks too. Like, mm-hmm. I get it. You you fraudulent loans from the banks. Like at the end of the day, you paid restitution. The banks are insured. You signed some forms. I 100%, by the way, believe when Teresa's like, my husband said sign it and I just signed it. Right. I, 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 abs- I completely, completely believe. Completely believe that that's yeah. exactly how that went down. That she was like, I didn't know the money mm-hmm. spent. I don't know how much of that is true with Erica because there could still be some of that. Like Tom and I live at separate ends of the house. I go pat the puss and and do my thing. Mm-hmm. The money spends. I don't ask questions. We get together for dinner a couple times a week. Yeah. I go, how how was mm-hmm. your day, honey? I show up at the bar events, look pretty, and, and live my life. And if he slides a loan of several million yeah. dollars into her account while this stuff is going on, it just feels like a Christmas bonus. I Cardi, mean, he, I she has one exactly. ring to go, you know? Exactly. But the thing with that is he was bringing in billion dollar settlements and getting 30 to 40 percent of that so if you're the wife looking at the news going this is a multi-billion dollar settlement of course the money's there right Mm -hmm. like of course what's 40 percent of like four billion i don't even know so where did the money go right so with erica the tom girardi stuff and i don't know if it's because i'm a lawyer that i'm so deeply offended by it the tom girardi stuff is horrible to me Mm-hmm. These are are victims who have already had horrible things happen, trusted an attorney. He violated that trust. And that is a, a ethical duty trust. You know, they signed their attorney-client agreements. And then there is indication that he was manipulating them to not give them their full settlement agreements. People who have been substantially damaged, people who've had family members that lost life. So for me, the Girardi stuff is heartbreaking on a different level because the level of trust is higher Mm -hmm. versus Jen Shaw calling somebody up being like, I've got this great business opportunity. When you go to a lawyer with a great reputation and trust them with the worst thing that's happened to you in your life, and then they fuck you over too, it's on another level for me. Mm -hmm. But for housewife culpability, Jen Shaw is the one that's charged right. here. She's exactly. the one. She's the boots on the ground in this one. She's the mm-hmm. one that was doing it and is alleged to be doing it. Her husband wasn't indicted. Trust me, if there was evidence that he was involved, they'd indict him too. You right. invite everybody. You indict everybody. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have enough to indict him. It doesn't mean he didn't know. It means there's not enough to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt for the AUSAs. So for housewife culpability, I think that at this point, 
Jen Shaw's is the top. She's probably facing the most prison time that we'll mm-hmm. see for like moral culpability. Mm-hmm. Shaw is taking advantage of vulnerable victims, but didn't really owe them a duty of care other than like not being a shit human being. Tom Girardi owed a legal ethical duty of care to the people that he fucked over. But I don't know if Erica was aware though. The more that comes out about the Girardi situation and the more that comes out about how he was schmoozing the state bar and everything. Um, the more I start to wonder, like the more questions I have, like there was a lot going on, but I wonder how separate their lives actually were. Cause it might really be that they are, you know, loving roommates living on separate wings of the, the Pasadena palace over there. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think Jen Shaw faces the most prison time, even if even if the criminal investigation goes forward with regard to Tom Girardi. I don't know how much they'll have to tie Erica to it. That will be very mm-hmm. interesting. And how culpable a criminal court will believe that she is, because I imagine if she ever does show up in court to that, she'd be like, I didn't watch the show. We're barely together. I didn't know. He didn't tell me about his life. I'm 30 years younger. I showed up. I looked pretty. He let me live my life. I got to fly the plane. I got to have the rings. I got to do my music career. That's quite at odds with what he does. Mm -hmm. And I think her music career could benefit her there going, look, we were living completely separate lives. I'm performing here and he's, you know, the president of the bar association over here. This is, this is a completely separate situation. So that's how I process through worse. I mean, for the victims of both, I'm sure the bank victims were annoyed, but for the the individuals that were defrauded in the Shaw case and the individuals that were taken advantage of in the Girardi case, it feels equally bad to all of them. And, oh, this is so fascinating. Right? With the Erica stuff, there are a lot of questions about how she's even going to be able to financially survive this because of all of the lawsuits that are surely yes. coming their way and seeking those damages and restitution, whatever else. With the Jen and Coach Shaw of it all, how is there any chance that he will be able to avoid financial repercussions from this no because they're married so any restitution that she has to pay and the lawyer's fees if they choose to have private counsel and all of it's going to come out of their marital assets um if he files for divorce the things that happened (sighs) before the date of separation are still going to be on him so i don't think there's any i mean he might file for divorce and they might say oh you're shielding assets so that would get caught up too but there's there's going to be financial repercussions of this because it is a financial crime and they flossed a pretty fancy lifestyle. So I can't imagine them coming into the judge going, we don't have any money because the AUSA is going to be like, hold on, Your Honor, I'd like to roll tape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. take a look at the closet, the bags, the house, the cars. Now, I've heard rumblings that some of those things, the house is rented and, and things like that. And we've see, we're seeing this in the Girardi financial documents that are coming out. The cars are leased and this and that. So how much of it's really owned? I, I guess we'll find out. Without knowing whether he signed a morality clause with um, the school that he's a coach for and also knowing, I don't even know if he would be in dispute of that with this because it's not technically he's not the one being charged but does he have is there any possibility that he could lose his job from this like that the utah whatever football whatever is like what the fuck are you doing i think there's 
always, there's always that possibility, right? Especially if there's outrage within the community. Mm -hmm. So if they were, now this is alleged to take place across multiple states, Utah, Arizona, in New York and New Jersey. And so it's a multi-state venture, but it also happened in Utah. So if a large number of these victims are also within that community and there's community outrage, I don't know how the university does anything but say we need to step away. So it will just depend and it will depend on what he does next. And this also, like the Girardis, might be, look, you saw on the show, I'm not there. Um, Our marriage was already having Mm -hmm. problems. I can see that being his, our marriage was already having problems. I had no idea what she was doing. Uh, My wife is unstable. Watch the season. She's doing things that I never anticipated. She's not the person I knew. She's not the person I married. I, I had nothing to do with this. And now I could be a single father with kids to take care of if my wife's going to prison and there might be some empathy there um, for him. So it will just depend. And he's not in any danger again because he hasn't been charged with anything or accused of anything of losing his law license or whatever. If I, I assume he... Hasn't been charged. I mean, whether there will be an investigation into that, and I don't, that also assumes that he's still active. I haven't pulled his license to look and see if he's still active because it doesn't seem that he's practicing. Mm -hmm. But if he didn't know, and there's no, again, what he knew and didn't know and what is criminally provable can always be two different things. But if, if they had enough for him to be criminally culpable, I can't imagine that they wouldn't have charged him in the same charging document. Let's say they file joint taxes and she's like, this is how much I made for my algorithm company. A bajillion dollars. Do we think that he believed that this money came to them through her wonderful, joyful work with the algorithms and <laughs> the, the whatnot? The vaguest business ever. I, I don't know. And that, will be interesting. Will it be the accountants did all of it and we just trusted our accountants because our accountants never raised issue with us. So I trust the accountants to do the things. I didn't see anything wrong. I mean, you know, the IRS is like, oh, T, let's look. Because let's look. the IRS, there's agents at the IRS, I swear, that just watch Housewives to see who's flossing and are like, I'm super curious. I have questions. It's let's look at idea. Let's look at what it looks like. You, mm-hmm. you know there are investigators that are just like, all I want to see is what these people are up to. Uh, we're, I'm expecting, by the way, in the Girardi case, that the IRS gets involved too, because in the financial documents, there's oh over $5 million owed to the Franchise Tax Board in California. So <gasps> if you owe $5 million in back taxes to the California Franchise Tax Board, I'm dying to see how much the IRS comes forward and is like, wow. by the way, um, <laughs> us too, please. Because they're going to have to come to the bankruptcy court and say, we're owed money as well. So I'm waiting oh for that to happen. God. But if they file joint taxes, does it go to him having some awareness of what she's making? Yes. But it does it necessarily say that she's making that through illegal means? I don't know. I mean, how much does he believe her bullshit of like, it's it's good. It's good. I've got eight assistants. We're doing this. We're doing that. We got a thing. We got a thing. It feels like Sonia Morgan, right? It's like, no, I've got a, mm. I've got a this and I've got a football team over here and I've got shoes. And it's like, I don't even know what you're doing. It's happening? a little bit of the art of of distraction or the juggle or or the, the bullshit. just looking like you. Yeah, because if you don't have a singular focus, if you don't have a skinny girl, but you want to 
monetize yourself, you're going to grab everything you can, including cheater brands, whatever yep. you think will get you one step closer to financial security. And that I'm dead make... that you just said cheater brands. I love it I so mean, much. A little bit. Little I mean, I girls. love it. A little bit. I just love what was happening. I love it so much. I actually was kind of heartbroken when COVID like ruined Sonia Morgan's moment. Like it was the clothes were finally in stores and mm. then the stores are all closing. I was like, no. We were rooting I for know. you, Sonia. She, century 21 was like literally century 2020 because yep. it's no longer rest. May its memory rest be a peace. blessing. I mean, honestly. <laughs> um, when it comes to all of this, what do you think as a Bravo viewer, obviously legal analyst, mastermind, commentator, did you feel like this was almost inevitable for Jen or was it as shocking to you as it was to so many of us? I was shocked. Like I, mm -hmm. I, her business sounded odd to me. Mm -hmm. Um, but my assumption was truthfully when I was, I was like, why didn't I worry about it? Cause my assumption was that she kind of had a vanity business and that most of the money was coming from her husband through whatever means. And oh, so she that was, could have, uh, uh, that could have answered the evasiveness. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. she was just kind of trying to like, you know, Unikitty in the Lego movie going business, business, business. Is this working business, 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 <laughs> business. And that's how I felt when she was talking about her business. I'm like, Oh, she, she wants to be a businesswoman, but she's not, but she, we've also seen that she's very proud and so I, I, I read her evasiveness as she kind of had a vanity business. That's not like a real business. And so she was being evasive for that reason. Cause she didn't really do much. And she was like, make a call here, do this there. But I didn't in my mind assume that she was running a lead generation telemarketing fraud scheme that never entered, entered my mind. I had questions about the money, but I, I, we've seen this with housewife after housewife where it's like, mm -hmm. how do they have this money? Like, what yeah. is this? And I think some of them really stretch themselves to try to put up the lifestyle to be on Bravo to hope to get to later seasons to get those bigger paydays. Yeah, it makes sense that she doesn't respect money because it wasn't hers to begin with. You know, like yeah. that's how she can do the dumb shit that she does for attention or TV or just honestly for herself because it's using someone else's so yep. why not you don't care as much when it it's also, not your own it makes sense to me why in you know 2019 2020 why she wasn't worried about the personal perception of her mm -hmm. because most business owners or ceos acting the way that she was acting would have a negative financial impact on their business after the show aired but it makes sense that she didn't give a fuck because she didn't give a because there's not going to be any backlash in this scheme because it's 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 this it's this fraud machine. This is not just her. There's now 11 other def defendants in this. So she's part of this bigger machine that's that's working. So it's like what I do doesn't matter because it's not going to affect mm -hmm. the machine. It's not like, you know, a, a YouTube personality like Jeffree Star when everything comes out about him mm -hmm. and you see the sales of his cosmetics drop immediately. Mm -hmm. Her behavior is not going to negatively impact her business because it's not a business. That's such a good point. And, and you know, a, a question that I've seen several um, Bravo fans raise in the course of the last day since this came out has been, why are you going on reality TV 
if you know you have something to hide. And my response to that in part one of the Jen Shaw Spectacular was it's sort of similar to me with why do you run for president or elected office if you have <laughs> skeletons in your closet? And to me, the thinking is I am so spectacular. I am so unique. I'm the only one to do this job. And also, I will never be discovered because I am so uh, spectacular, unique, the only one to do this job that, of course, this will work out in my way because I'm 10 steps ahead. And I apply that to Jen Shaw, which is really the only unique case of this because the Teresa stuff was really attached to Joe and the Erica yep. stuff is currently only attached to Tom. So for Jen, it makes sense to me that she would be actively participating and or leading a fraudulent scheme and go on reality TV because she is unshakable. There yeah. is nothing that can get to her. Similar kind of ego narcissism to not truly humbling herself when it comes to being accountable for her behavior choosing a different route when it comes to try to pivot the conversation, distract whatever else, right. maybe make concessions to Mary in the reunion because she's thinking one step ahead and knows what's coming her way from, you know, Heather and Whitney and who knows who else. It makes sense to me. Do you think that that is a distorted take on this? Is there something else that I'm missing when it comes to try to understand why someone in Jen's alleged situation would go on specifically reality TV? <laughs> no, I think you're right on. So when I said that like fraudy fraud cases were my favorite mm -hmm. um, and after working, like doing things like gang prosecutions and stuff, oh, wow. fraud, fraud cases had very arrogant, very mm -hmm. clever defendants, um, mostly male for the stuff that I prosecuted. And they were always misogynistic. And so when I was the prosecutor on the case, they would always kind of be like, I don't know what she's talking about. Oh, honey, oh like this God. and that. It was fabulous when I got to, when I got to go to <laughs> trial with them, them like a it was so much fun because it would just be like, it would just be this slow lead because they're eventually, they're blinded by their own arrogance. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. The longer a fraud scheme goes on, the more untouchable they believe that they are. And we always joked in the DA's office, look, we don't catch the smart ones. Like the ones who are really good at this, we never see them because we don't find them. So we catch the ones that have tripped up somewhere. And the more people involved, the more likely something's going to crumble. The more people involved with a scheme, the, someone is going to, the weight of this is going to crumble somebody. And I don't know the timing of when uh, when Salt Lake was filmed. And I wonder how much these the drinking episodes and kind of the breakdowns coincide with this 2019 indictment, the oh, 2019 wow. raid of wow. the other business. Like, I'm very curious the wow. timing of all of that. And I'm sure the AUSAs are going to be like, we'd like all of your film. Like, if I would go back to prosecution to watch unedited housewife's footage oh my God, for months on end. Jen, Jesus <laughs> Imagine what's left on the Imagine, Imagine. But in some of those meltdowns and stuff, you might have moments where you see the weight of all of this on here. There might be statements that in context of what's come out now make sense in a different way to a prosecutor or an investigator. So 
I wonder how much the timing uh, connects in that. Because I know they filmed in 2019. I just don't know if they were done filming by the time that these indictments were happening. I'm sure we'll find out. Someone will put the timeline together. People people know these things. It's not unknown. I just don't know them. But I'm curious about that. But this fits. This fits. This fits with all of my experience with fraud defendants. Charming, arrogant, smart enough. <laughs> but... Mm. At the end of the day, what I always saw in patterns of the cases I prosecuted was it started with a little thing and then mm-hmm. it became a bigger bite and a bigger bite and a bigger bite and a bigger mm-hmm. bite. And then it was at some point it was like, fuck it. We're never getting caught. This is alleged back to 2012. So at some point, five years in, is everybody just like, oh, we're good. Or had Jen Shaw convinced herself that this is a legitimate business and other people just don't understand it? Like, I'm so smart. You just don't understand what we're doing. It's it's novel. You just don't get it. But it we're so smart. I mean, that's a clip of the reunion is of Heather saying, and I'm sure I would say something similar if I was in her position, like, I still don't get what she does, but she had a party at One Oak and had these great events. So it seems like, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty nice, yep. you know, that you're seeing the bells and whistles. And when it comes to the end of the day, she's the one in the back mm-hmm. running the show. Yep. And was she the ringleader? I mean, is that unclear. Because wouldn't unclear. she have been charged prior if she was? Not necessarily. Not if they they needed other testimony to tie her to it. So it, I, from everything I've read in this, it the statement of the NYPD officer who spoke said that he was proud of NYPD for bringing this to an end. So I think that this was the last indictment they were waiting for, because otherwise you don't make that statement at a press conference if there's still ongoing potential to bring other mm-hmm. people in. But they said that this was the end. I, from everything I've read, I am speculating that she was the one really doing the heavy lead gen and everyone else was doing kind of the selling and the selling people down the line. And now I want to go back and watch her statements about work on the show to see how much she talks about, you know, was the algorithm lead generation? Was she talking about marketing? And, and if she was, that kind of fits with, she's the one pulling in the people and then saying, okay, this person is going to be sold here. And this person's going to be sold there and placing people with, um, the different kind of business opportunity schemes that she was selling them to. So I don't know if she was the ringleader, but she was definitely alleged to be a very active participant because they listed out in this indictment, all the things that she did. It wasn't just she knew it was fraudulent. It's she did this, she did this, she did this, she did this. So she was a very active participant, more than somebody who was just employed by them going, well, it seemed kind of sketchy, but whatever. And the fact that it crossed lines seems to be particularly bad, no? I mean, it's part of what makes it a federal case. And it's part Mm -hmm. of what allows um, the Southern District of New York to be like, oh, we'll take that. But again, they would have been involved in this scheme before she ever went on TV. They were investigating this. Somewhere, a, a, a USA and a detective got together and had a drink and laughed their ass off when they saw she was going on reality TV, if oh they God. were already looking at her at that point. If they weren't looking at her at that point, when one of the nine that were charged said, guess who else is involved and she's on a reality TV show, they then had a drink and went, you've got to be fucking kidding me that she's on reality TV. And like chicken or the egg style, 
the fact that she was so ostentatious, which seemingly the eight assistants of it all, yes. the pregame glam, the crazy shopping, the wild outfits, the everything else, it did feel like she was putting on a show for the show. Yes. And one could ask, was the fraud worse at that point? Was this truly how she was living and she was inviting in SLC to already terrible financial decisions that were being made? I mean, she doesn't get the benefit of saying, like, I didn't spend anything on X, Y, and Z because there's footage there. There's so much footage. And I, I with all of SLC, I really got the the sense, and this is going to keep happening if they open other franchises, I really got the sense that these women had kind of studied other franchises and of course. decided where they wanted to fit in versus like early days, New Jersey, New York, Orange County. You didn't see that. You saw like these kind of authentic friend groups that pulled in a few other, you know, personalities and just were off to the races. This felt, Jen's persona on the show felt very calculated to me. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to go there. She wanted to be the Teresa Judice of this. And Who knew how true that was? And maybe Teresa going to prison resonated with her because she knew all of this was going down. And she's like, fuck it. I'm that bitch. She got a special. She got her own show. Like, even if I do hear hear conspiracy speculation, building monuments to the gods of speculation. If she saw what went down with Teresa, knew that she was going to go down for this at some point and was like, you know what? It's It's a storyline. And it doesn't break me if I just lean in to being the villain, lean in to going to prison, lean into selling my story, lean into wanting a spinoff, lean into all of it. There is something to say for being financially rewarded for financial crimes, but that takes a very specific personality type. There is only one Teresa, and that was Joe's story with Teresa being affected. So she had the ability to get a lot of support from the tree huggers and other people who are like, this is a woman who is a stay at home mom who has four beautiful daughters who is now swept up in this thing. And she admittedly wasn't like the kind of person to read something before signing. And now she's going to, she blew her casket over it when she found out. And Um, I think Jen misses that part. Jen thinks, Oh, there's no empatheticness here. Right. She thinks she's a victim. I'm sure she, I'm sure that's the route she's going to go is, but everyone told me this was legitimate. How am I supposed to not know the money? The money's in offshore accounts and you're taking it out in, adma- in amounts to not have financial traction track. Like there's too much intentionality of this versus Teresa was my husband asked me to sign. I sign and we know Teresa's family and we know her background and we saw her parents. When Teresa says, I was brought up that you don't question your husband. We're all like, mm-hmm. yep. We hear yeah, you. That tracks. We that understand tracks. that totally right. tracks. We get, we get, we get how you grew up. It doesn't excuse the criminality, but we also get your husband who, you know, got a DUI, never bothered to get citizenship in the U.S. Mm-hmm. though he could have, and also thought that he was never going to get caught. It's Hello? that same never going to get caught. Doesn't matter mm-hmm. if I have this. Doesn't matter if I have that. They're never going to deport me. I don't need to become a citizen. Like it's fine. Okay. I mean, Tom Girardi did as much as essentially telling people flat out, I'm untouchable, yes. regardless of whatever's happening. I, yes. You know my name. You know my power. You know the judges I have in my pocket. Yes. Who I'm friendly with or whatever. I you mean. You can't get to me. You can't get to me. And you see now in the financial uh, documents, I think that were uncovered by the LA Times, they're alleging over $7 million in political donations. Yeah. So he was he was buying the favors that he needed to keep himself afloat. 
which a lot of people do. They just don't have it connected to this kind of fraud. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Or if they do, it hasn't been yet revealed. Yep. It's, it's why everybody who got swooped up in the college admission scandal was so outraged. You know, you oh, saw like God. Lori Laughlin was fucking pissed. She's mm-hmm. like, this is what rich people do. Why are you all so mad at me? <laughs> I mean, there's an element of like, why are you treating me like a poor person? I why, thought yes. I was above the I'm law. I'm above this. This is just what people do when they have money. Why don't you understand? Oof. Oof. This is, and this is what this is with Jen Shaw too. This is how business works. When, like, I think this is the perception of how rich people do business. Like, this is how it just works. You just move money around in the offshore accounts and it's just all magically fine. No, it's money laundering. And the reality is for Jen, it's like this is the perception of a rich person. But like a lot of us had questions about how rich she really was. I mean, so you're borrowing from this thing that maybe you were never as much a part of as you wanted us to believe. Yeah. And yet you have decided you get the financial privilege of those people in a very small financial class that maybe you only temporarily had an admission ticket to because of all of this crime yeah. you know what i'm saying like it wasn't built on anything it's built on top of itself yep. you i mean jen didn't strike me as a happy and settled individual she seemed yeah. like she was being pulled apart at the seams this entire season and that's just from watching one season where i have no exposure to her beforehand i don't know who she is but we're watching somebody who's deeply unhappy and i think a lot of us just assumed it was her marriage being more distant Um, or with the other ladies, but she was deeply unhappy. She was drinking all the time and coming unglued. It could have been the pressure of all of this building up in the background that the fall was coming. What does Bravo do with this? I mean, do you think that they've already been contacted? Make a fuck ton of money on ratings. (laughs) There you go. Do you think that they've already been contacted for... Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure subpoenas went out. So the indictment came down... um, three to five days before it was sealed. And I would have to go back to the docket to look at the exact date. So the grand jury indicted a number of days before the arrest happened the same day on the 30th, they unseal the indictment. They execute the arrest. I imagine that subpoenas went out or preservation of evidence notices went out at the Mm. same time. So all of that would have gone down on the 30th. So whatever preservations went to, you know, the network saying, Hey, preserve all footage of this individual of their house of this and that preservations to social media accounts, email accounts, if they didn't already have some of those, because with the active investigation, they could have gotten those in advance. But like Twitter notifies you if you get subpoenaed or if your account's being subpoenaed. So they might have waited until the day of to send out those subpoenas. And so all of that would have happened on the 30th so that she wouldn't get notice from Twitter that her account had been subpoenaed and things like that. Um, feel free to fact check me on this. Allegedly, they were about to leave for a cast trip and she goes to production and says, I got a phone call. My husband's in the hospital. She runs off a couple minutes later, the feds and I saw a SWAT team arrived yeah. and they were like, cool, cool, cool. Where's Jenny? And Jen <laughs> Where, where's our girl at? Where's our girl? Can we you imagine the cast? You wanted want- to be center snowflake. This is how you get it. I want that footage so badly. This is how you oh, get to we'll- be center. Yeah. It's we'll a two get episode it. special. I can't it's wait. It's going to be multiple. It's 
at least a third of the season. At this like point. cut the season short and put it out now. Like I don't, I don't I, now. The trailer I wanna... <laughs> is going to be done. The trailer's probably halfway there already. The trailer's just this. I can't um, wait. <laughs> so Jenna's skadoodled, but they're able to track her on her phone, yep. arrest her a, a little bit later. And I read allegedly they talked to some people from the cast while we, while they were there. Just, hey, how are you? What were your thoughts on the reunion? Can I have a Brooks Mark sweatsuit? <laughs> I really hope, can we, get a, can we get a selfie? I really hope that's went down. What's went down? Can't, can't wait for the Brooks Mark special collection to drop related to <laughs> Is this. it going to be orange and black? Is it going to have, uh, or is it going to be black and white stripes? Like, is it going to be the prison collection? <laughs> regardless of what it is, can't wait to buy it in every color, which will be that one option. And It'll be the one forever forever. <laughs> forever i'm obsessed with brooks it's a collection i'm obsessed with brooks i, I need amazing. i need to know need his it. reaction to all of this i need oh my god i need brooks to get his own snowflake like i need a, his reaction well there's to one available i mean is there any chance she's ever going to film it for the for this season let's say let's not say ever again because we don't know but is there a the chance yeah what's the likelihood of it what is her husband saying to her right now what's the likelihood she'll listen I don't know if she'll listen to her husband. Her, I imagine her attorney is saying nothing. You say nothing. Right. Do I think she'll listen? <laughs> That's the thing. Not necessarily. I think she's going to want to spin the storyline to her benefit. I also, if I'm, when I put on prosecutor brain, mm -hmm. if there's the opportunity that while this is pending trial, that somebody's going to be talking on film while this is pending, I'm not going to ask them to stop. She's not going to sway public perception to affect a trial. And if she gets into that realm, they're going to get the footage potentially before it airs, which could delay production. But, you know, Bravo is going to be mindful of that as well, of what they can air and what they can't air. But if she wants to film, if I'm the prosecutor, I'm like, let her talk. Let her talk. It'll... One day, if this goes to trial, we're just going to put the tape on and see what she has to say, and then we're going to spin it. But if I'm her attorney, I'm saying, you are done with this show right now. You are pending. You have been arrested and indicted in a federal criminal case. You are going to go sit home and do nothing. Now, whether a judge will order her to stop filming will be interesting. That is one of my questions because I listened in to the arraignment. We're recording this Wednesday night. I listened into the arraignment, which was part one was today. It's <laughs> yeah. part, part one, two, part much two. like this, two Friday. Jen special. It's coming out Friday morning. <laughs> yeah. So it was wonderful. Guys, go to my Instagram at Dame Galley. I've saved it to a highlights. It was impeccable, flawlessly executed. Very <laughs> funny. I was riding a high. I missed my first ferry because I forgot to continue moving because I was so glued <laughs> you to were my so phone. wrapped and I was literally like live IG storying every moment because it was truly comical. But anyway, the what was your favorite? No, what was your favorite part of the arraignment? Like, here's what I love about these stories as I ask you a question and then keep talking. Classic. Favorite but, thing to do. Um, same. To same. Um, when, when these things happen, people are taking a, interest in how our systems work in a different way. Mm -hmm. And I think with how much upset and how much change we're seeing within how our criminal system work, how our court system work, the, um, the questions about how these systems work for different people who are coming into the system. I think mm -hmm. that COVID opening up 
you know, courtrooms to essentially Zoom calls and phone calls allows everyone to participate. But these types of stories are giving people a really good look at the actual workings of our justice system in a way that they're interested in and in a way that they're not as emotionally triggered by because this we can watch and it feels more like, oh, this character we watch on TV, it has this thing going on different than when we watch things like, you know, the Chauvin trial and and everything that mm-hmm. went down with Breonna Taylor. We can watch this and try to learn about how our system works through characters that we're essentially already watching. Yes, they are people, but also they're Bravo liberties. So I think that all of this happening is kind of a great, <laughs> not for Jen Shaw, But for everyone who wants a peek into what a federal prosecution looks like, this is the story to follow because we're going to see it all. I mean, learning can be fun, guys. Like, I learned today that people don't know how to unmute themselves. So it was 40-something minutes of the judge saying, first off, he didn't know who Mr. Sims was, who I I believe is Jen's attorney. Federal judges are super patient. Oh my god, tolerant and they love technology. (laughs) Oh, he actually seemed like a nice guy. My favorite part was like when one of the he called the person for the government government, which was one of my favorite parts. Yeah, Um, I had a lot of judges that used to just call me people. (laughs) They'd be like, Are the people here? (laughs) Yes, Your Honor, the people are here. The people are here. Is the government here? Because that's what they are. The the AUSAs are for the government of the United States, just like District attorneys are for the people of the state of whatever. He was literally like, "Hey, government!" I loved it. I I couldn't get enough of it. Felt like he was very much thrown going straight into this Grandpa America role, which I always get a kick out of. (laughs) And um, so there were so many points. Mr. Sims, Jen's attorney, was out of the country. I said probably at one a a Shaw Chalet in Marseille or something. Checking on the uh, checking on the offshore accounts, perhaps. Right. (laughs) Shade and speculation. You guys. Um, so Mr. Sims couldn't connect and, and didn't know how to unmute. Then he was able to resolve it after 30 minutes. Then Jen couldn't unmute, but she's texting her attorney. She's there. But because there were so many people on the call, they disconnected some of the calls, including Jen's. So that was really funny to me. But the best part for me was the very, very end when this judge who's going out of his way to be like, you know, some people are like, can't we do this privately when they're troubleshooting and we can all hear. And he's like, no, it has to be public. They have the right to a public blah, blah, blah. So we will reschedule this blah, blah, blah. And it, it, it's because there were at at most 250 people on this. Um, uh, and they didn't, it, it did, they didn't have capacity for it. Why on earth they thought that a public individual wouldn't get public attention. I, I couldn't tell you at a public event, but that's for them to troubleshoot. And maybe right. they're very busy and they watch, you know, Dallas and Jersey more <laughs> they instead just don't of care SLC. About, they're like, SLC's new, nobody cares. But when these things happen in court, when it's not COVID, mm. you'll get a couple reporters showing up at an arraignment. It really, um, I was working at the airport courthouse in Los Angeles when the Lindsay Lohan criminal prosecutions were going on. Oh, and wow. it was, it was full, but it wasn't the public. We had news media there and then we had mm-hmm. other attorneys there, but it wasn't the way we're seeing it now that we have zoom calls. Cause people don't have to drive to the courthouse. They don't right? have to pay it's to so get into the courthouse. It's, you can just sit at work and, and it's like, I want to hear. And mm-hmm. that's how some of the Brittany hearings have also gotten crashed yes. because so many people have co- popped onto the calls. I've been covering a lawsuit going on on YouTube and there were like 90 people 
on a status conference call. I'm like, I imagine that most of the people on that call have never participated in a status Mm -hmm. conference in court ever, but they can call in and they're fascinated about following along and get to hear how court proceedings work. Look, I've done court calls. There are days that I've been on a call for three hours waiting for my case to get called, listening to other attorneys in the car with the windows down, not muting and wanting to stab myself in the eyeball. So I'm glad that this was the only arraignment on calendar when y'all were calling in. I mean, it was a real, there's nothing like your first arraignment. And my favorite part was probably the very, very end. It's like almost an hour, not quite an hour, but an hour of technical difficulties just a full that was the full they couldn't even start because not everyone could say that they were present the whole time was like who's on first it was (laughs) delightful it felt very v very rest of development but at the very very end he's like oh um at one point uh Stu's lawyer just says oh and by the way um I'm Stu's lawyer so and so just wanted to um say that I agree because nobody had mentioned him since the beginning it had only been about Jen and Tech I'm here he's like I'm here just so you know like gold star and the judge's face which I couldn't see audio only I could feel falling when he's like you were here the entire time and he's like yeah yeah yeah. all right everything sounds great put it in my google cal keep it moving i mean wild a wild and you didn't make your appearance for what reason counsel speak up at the beginning for fuck's sake you know, I just got a couple DMs because the arraignment stuff happened um, today from people being like, oh, it seems like she she just did the people who may or may not have been present, you know, could have been one of the 250 or whatever, who are like, oh, it just sounds like she's delaying this as a tactic to which, to which my response was, no. there is no reason why someone would want their first introduction to the judge presiding the trial to be one of incompetence that does not work well for her attorney who would not want to put his professional reputation on the line no one would ever let alone I keep bringing up Jen's husband not because I believe in some sort of like marital equity which I could give a shit about welcome to singledom but because he (laughs) is a lawyer or was a practicing lawyer and understands the substance and gravity of this in a way that she can't just deflect onto a defense mechanism of ego or or of narcissism or whatever else do you think do you agree with that perspective is there a chance that she was I just didn't see it I mean she there's was no trying point to communicate there's no point could, in delaying yeah. an arraignment right I think this was probably tremendously stressful and totally. whenever you try to make tech work when you're stressed it's not going to work for you um so I, I, from everything you've said, I imagine it was probably actual technical difficulties 100%. and connecting with courts can be quite difficult. These are systems a lot of the time that were put in place for COVID. They are new systems. They are, are not built for this kind of capacity. There mm-hmm. are constantly issues that a, my friends that are appearing in court are telling me B the, the live streams you're seeing from different courts that are sharing their proceedings on you know, YouTube so that people can be a part of the proceedings is, is seeing these technical difficulties. I have worked with so many judges in just in court technical difficulties in the middle of trials and preliminary hearings and things, watching how frustrated everybody gets. And the stress of a proceeding is already high for the participants. 
not always the lawyers, but it depends on the judge. And so when you're stressed and then you've got tech difficulties, then it's like, why won't this work? Why won't this work? And mm-hmm. so it just kind of aggravates the situation. So I, there's no point in delaying an arraignment. You, it's not as if she has to fly anywhere. She's not in custody. There's no, there's no purpose for it. It, it's, she's going to be arraigned. She has been arrested. The indictment has been unsealed. This is inevitable. What comes next after the arraignment is, will she, you know, surrender her passport if she hasn't already? Yes. Will there be a bond um, that she will have to issue? Probably. Will there be more strict conditions of her staying released? Probably. Um, And then the negotiations really will start with her defense attorney having a call with the AUSA on the case saying, where are we at? Give us the discovery. And we start, we start the process. And just to say the government, lady government, Mm -hmm. did mention at one point, the judge asked, you know, is there a deadline on the arraignment? Do we need to get this done by a certain point? And she's like, there is no deadline. I just suggested today because I do have possible changes to the bail conditions, which makes me think something is going to, I don't think it's like JK, do your thing. We trust you. I think something is happening. Allegedly, I think they contested that one of the conditions they can, Jen's team, Stu's team, whatever, um, contested potentially the, it's like the 10,000 a day. What is it that you can only do spend 10,000? You can only do transactions no higher than $10,000 or something like that. I mean, that would be fair because they, in a financial crime, they don't want people offloading funds while this is, while this is going on. And they don't want people trying to move money around, offload Mm -hmm. money to others, offload money into other properties that are beyond the reach of the government. So that wouldn't be unusual because there's a forfeiture order on this as well. So there is property with the forfeiture. It's not just the people, the property is also being, you know, brought into this case more than just like a judge ordering restitution at the end. It's saying we are entitled to come and take this property from you if it all connects. So the property does become a thing because there is that forfeiture order in the indictment. How does Salt Lake City survive this? It, it to me in the app that I, um, the combo that I had with Richie Sky, I discussed, you know, beware the Ides of McHale, which is <laughs> when there is a case, a situation, a story that crosses into the criminal that also becomes national news. It is a lightning rod of attention. It can also ruin a franchise. And so how do the women of Salt Lake City who allegedly network has under like their own special Bravo gag order of like, do not say a fucking thing about this publicly. How do they <laughs> all for the camera, this? ladies, all, all for the, the camera, camera. all for the rate. Do it for the vlog, like all for the ratings. Do it for point. us. Do it for, the do it for Bravo. We um, need it. I wouldn't be surprised at all. How do they survive all. this? How do, how do you think the show survives this as a Bravo fan, Bravo viewer? I mean, it depends on how it all goes down, right? If she mm-hmm. goes away for a small period of time and Coach Shaw is still married and is recording their phone calls and they're following him and his kids around and he becomes oh, a part of the downer, franchise honestly. The, the way that Joe did, then, then maybe. Or if she is sentenced to multiple years, then you take her out of the equation and everybody focuses their attention back on Mary's congregation and is like, hey... Mm-hmm. What's going on over there? Because when I started watching Salt Lake, I had looked at nothing about this cast. And so when Mary's marriage came out, I was like, wait, what are you all telling me is happening here? (laughs) So there are other, there are other interesting 
uh, women in this, there are other interesting stories to be told. And without Jen's volatility, we might see some of that. I mean, I don't think New Jersey tanked as Teresa was away, but there was always the touch point that she was coming back and she was still very much a character on, you know, the, the season while she was away because we were still following her family and Joe. And Teresa's an exception to the rule. Production paused so that she could go to camp and come back. They didn't want to film without her. And they gave her husband a spinoff in the meantime so that he could, like, call her. They gave him six episodes or whatever it was. This is Jen Shaw. God bless her. No No matter what she tweets, she's not Teresa. And and probably never will be, to be honest. She was a shooting star. She shined bright and crazy for a limited period of time. I never looked at her as a long-term OG because so much of that energy, again, Teresa aside, requires a little bit of a beta-ness. You have to, the Kyle Richards navigating it of it all, you have to be able to dance between a lot of different dynamics, get your point in the sun, get your moment of strong critique. But in order to survive that, you need to chameleon yourself. And Jen Shaw does not have any skill in that area. Her skill can lead to other talents, which we're finding out about, quite (laughs) frankly, but it doesn't lead to this. So it's not like this was, to me, a long-term housewife, but it does mean in the short term, she's like, a season and a third, perhaps? Yeah, perhaps. And and is the, the talking point for the other ladies when she's gone. And potentially the talking point without repercussion. Because if she's not coming back, they can just talk on it. If, if she has mm-hmm. to stop filming, they could just talk on it the rest of the season and go about their other plot lines. But they're going, they're going to be talking about this news. For, can you imagine this happening in your group? The, the amount of conversation that's going to happen around this. And... Is it weird that I immediately thought, yes, I could. I could imagine this happening. I mean, not no, I it's not weird. It's like, yes, I, I can. Like, no, I can I picture this. Drama. I can I picture this and the, <laughs> yeah, and the texting yeah. and the like, oh, my God, yeah. did you see? Oh, my God, did you see? Oh, my God, did you see? Like, we can imagine something going down like this that you're mm-hmm. tangentially related to going, oh, my God, did you, did you know? Did you see? What do you think? Mm-hmm. Oh, but remember this thing over here happened. And then rehashing every experience you've had with her to see if you can play detective on trying to figure out why it all didn't fit together. And the women trying to figure out why they didn't see it, why they didn't know it. You know, she was at, she was getting her face injected multiple times a week, sitting down in the chair, her elbows, her elbows, her everything. So, you know, you've got to ask yourself, well, why didn't I know like what she really did for work and the women Mm -hmm. having this now potentially self-exploration of, wow, like, do we know anybody that was a victim? How did this go down? And trying to figure it all out the way. Do we know each other? That yeah. Talk about a theme, a network, are you listening? Have this play into a, a moment of understanding of who we are surrounding ourselves with and yep. what that means about us as individual people. Because you break this shit open, it's really hard to put back together, and sometimes that's not so bad. The individual crisis of it all. The This was my friend, and my friend was doing these horrible things to people. I mean, different mm-hmm. than Teresa Judice, it's like, with Teresa's storyline, it was all everybody going, Joe, kind of, Joe did this to you. Like, right. you didn't know what Joe was doing. We didn't know what Joe was doing. We didn't really know what was going on behind the scenes. Neither did you, Teresa. We're in the same position you are. And Teresa's like, la, 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 la. Uh, stone walls up. Don't talk about my life. But for all the other women going, oh, my God, we were, we didn't know either. Like, we're caught off guard, too. And 
we were her friend and we knew nothing about her life and there was a fraud in our midst. It, it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out for the women because I think being adjacent to something like that and not being aware of it is going to cause them to question, you know, should I have seen something? Should I have known something? Because this isn't this isn't somebody who, who just had a lapse in judgment, you know, ha- drove drunk, um, did a thing. It wasn't a one decision that changed the course of somebody. This is a alleged long-standing detailed fraud ring. This is bigger than just a one-time decision that leads to a, a criminality or an incident of criminality. This is a big thing. So the Southern district of New York is asking people to get in touch. If they think they are owed restitution, what's the likelihood of that coming their way? And what's, what do you, how much does a person get? I think it will, de- it will depend on what happened to each person in their mm-hmm. story. How much they get will depend on, if she takes responsibility early and has the money to pony up kind of money for time and say, Hey, I can bring this amount of money to the table for restitution. Can we lower that jail sentence a little bit, but it's going to depend on how much there is there. If this money has been spent, if properties are leveraged or rented and there isn't anything to really sell, that's going to be a bigger problem. So it's really hard to guesstimate what people would get, but they, they, put all their information there, email addresses, phone numbers. So if somebody is seeing this story going, I think this happened to a family member. I think this happened to me. Absolutely reach out and call. They are actually there to work with you and to take your information and to, to not judge you. A lot of fraud victims that I work with were tremendously embarrassed, like the deep, deep shame of like, Mm. this person violated my trust and I'm embarrassed that I didn't know better people. Uh, fraud victims don't tell their spouses, their family members, they don't ask for help because they feel that sense of shame. There's no shame in being victimized. And we see this with assault victims as well. There's this deep sense of shame. And that's what a scheme like this was playing on because they had that business opportunity part. And then the refinancing part, it's like, oh, well, now you've gotten into all this debt. We can help you here. And it's playing on that shame of you don't want to tell your family you've gotten yourself into this hole in this fraud scheme because you're embarrassed. I mean, I can't get into this story, but just <laughs> but to say, I can't get into this story. But, but I'm a dangle Kara IRL, but I can't say anything. A couple years ago, I found myself in a situation where I was helping someone with some stuff, there was a phone call happening. They used the phrase barrister a couple times. And through the course of the conversation, I realized this person had been misled by the infamous, often used Nigerian prince, scam of it all Mm -hmm. and had loaned money in the Mm -hmm. thousands I don't think many thousands but thousands enough to make a matter in this person's life which is ultimately the scale how it affects you you know because a hundred to one is a million to another yep and was in uh, my body went into shock when I was like I need to say something as a citizen of good but this is very bad. And I ultimately was like, I don't remember what I said, but it was something along the lines of like, get off the phone. Like I am looking at you dead eyed and you know what I'm saying to you, which is, this is not real. 
stop the call. Yep. And people, smart people, yes. can get tricked. It does not mean you are not intelligent. It does not mean that you are um, stupid. It does not mean that you are incompetent. It just means that someone took advantage of you and that is not okay. And it it was very tough for me to see in real life. My body went into panic. Yeah. Like I literally. Yeah. Fight, flight or freeze. Yeah. Because I was like, oh my God, I'm going to need to say something. And I am so, I feel so bad for this person. And also, like, don't kill the messenger. <laughs> I'm about to tell you something you're not gonna want to hear. Yeah, but but it's tough. It is, and and uh, in in talking about that, the reason these schemes work is because they bank people who defraud others are working on a different operating system than most of us, and they bank on the fact that you're a decent human who wants to help, and yeah. they use the fact that you're coming from a place that you're a decent human and wants to help against you. There's a book that I always recommend to people called uh, Ghost in the Wires. It is a fantastic book. I love the audible of it. Uh, But reading, you know, reading is good too. (laughs) But it's one of the first hackers. And it's his story about how he started hacking the phone system and how they used social hacking to hack the people to get access to the systems. And it's a very good breakdown of how frauds work. And it's his story of how the FBI is chasing him, but he's hacking into the FBI to know Mm. where they think he is. And he did his jail time. He was one of the first hackers that was ever prosecuted, did his jail time, came out and started a cybersecurity company being like, I know all the things and I'm here to help. I mean, catch me if you can. Catch me if you can based on a real story. Exactly. And it's just, if you want to know how social engineering in these types of fraud cases work, from the horse's mouth, if you will. Mm-hmm. Ghost in the Wires is a fantastic book for that by Kevin Mitnick. You know what my favorite book is? What? Potomac season four. <laughs> well, so much. Nightmare. Nightmare person. <laughs> Nightmare trash. Um, I, we, I feel like we've talked I'm for a hundred years. I love that so much. Um, I could, listen, I could talk to you forever. Same. I'm obsessed with you. Same. I want you to come. Do you watch all the franchises? I watch most of the franchises unless the legal world keeps popping off because my DMs are full of like, Emily, there's new Britney docu- documents. Emily, oh, d- the wow. state bar is coming after Girardi. I'm like, Jen Shaw's been arrested. Britney is going to have to wait a day, okay? <laughs> Britney, I sit mean... down. Her court hearing's not till the end of April, folks. It's going to wait a minute. <laughs> Oops, Jen did it again. You know, <laughs> Jen it's a bop. Shaw, it's a bop. She stole. It's Shawtastic. Um, it is Shawtastic. It's just, the memes on this are going to fuel me for months. Yeah, I'm very into Schadenfraud, which is my favorite, which is the name of the special, two-part special, Schadenfraud. That's fantastic. It's very good. Shout out to Alex Zaragoza. Several people sent it to me, but Alex Zaragoza from Vice was uh, the very first, and she was the OG of Schadenfraud in my DMs, and I appreciate that. I I love that so much. Well done. Oh my God. Well done. Mazel to everybody. How can people follow you? Read everything, watch everything, listen to everything. (laughs) I'm obsessed with you. Love it. I can't wait to, if look, as the legal shit goes down, call me. I'm your girl. I've got you. We'll we'll talk housewives. You're the official legal correspondent for Andy's girls. I just made that title. My goodness. We'll do it. We'll do it. Um, Cause I don't think we're out of the woods on housewives yet. Like is Dorit done? 
Do we know all of what's going on with Mauricio? I feel like there's going to be more. I don't think we're out of the woods on Housewives legal drama. We will never run out of it because, again, the synergy of ego and narcissism in people wanting to be on this specific kind of reality TV connecting so well with suspicious (laughs) business activity, (laughs) the ideas of it all. I mean, we're never going to run out of content. Can I actually ask you one more quick question? Yes, please. Who would you, who do you side eye the most when you're like, here's the person to watch any franchise where you're like, something is up. My, you know, legal Eagle ears are perked gut instinct. Keep it 100. Who is the person? Who is it? Currently, I yeah. do not understand what the hell's going on with Emily's husband, Shane, from Orange County. From a from because he keeps failing, up uh, there's some, and not running there, out of money. There's something, and I don't know. I don't think it's criminal. I just of all the people, when you're like, who do you side eye? I'm like, I cannot figure that out. There is there is there 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 is more to that story and because he's a housewife husband we're not quite getting into it but there is more there when they started talking about him the way that she flipped out and she's an attorney as well she flipped out and went immediately to death threats when people came for her husband very early on in her first season and that was my spot like why are we what are we hiding with the husbands the same way when you know, you saw don't talk about the husbands and, mm. <laughs> and Rinna was ready to leap across the Amsterdam, table. Amsterdam, a historic trip. Those big reactions, Isn't I need to know what we're protecting. Because if yeah. somebody, my husband and I have been together over 20 years at this point because wow. we're those people. But if somebody was, you know, saying something about my husband, I'd be like, really? I mean, really? Clearly, no. you don't know. My, I'm not going to threatening people's lives because I'm not really worried about it. So it, it raised a lot of suspicions for me. Him taking off to do the bar stuff raised questions for me. I, I have, when you ask who I side eyed that I have Shane questions. I love that answer. And you need to come back immediately because as you said, the Dorit of it all, the continued Erica Jane of it all. I still haven't gotten to finish up with Bethany's freaking divorce seven years later. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm a Jason Hoppy truther, but I do think that (laughs) the toxicity in that marriage and relationship was a shared passion. Oh, I I don't, I don't disagree with you. I mean, I don't, (laughs) she peed in the bucket in her wedding dress. I mean, we we saw it all happen. (laughs) I bought every episode because I was like, just in case something happens to the internet, I need to have an iTunes library. (laughs) I'm very good with money in college in college I bought two copies of when Harry met Sally and dirty rotten scoundrels on DVD in case one something happened to one of them I need to have a backup and a spare the memory a spare listen you gotta have a will and a Harry when it comes to (laughs) classic comedies absolutely um tell the people how to follow you how to listen to you what's happening everything Everything. tell us how to support I am at the Emily D. Baker all over socials. So all of my socials are the Emily D. Baker. It is very easy to find me on YouTube. That is where I spend most of my time doing legal commentary. Look, it's lengthy. Don't let, don't let that scare you. Everything's timestamped. You can just jump to what you want, but that is, that is where you find most of my content. I am also on all of the socials at the Emily D. Baker. So I'll always loop you in. And the Emily show is available on all podcasting, platforms that comes out every Wednesday. I'm live on YouTube every Tuesday and Friday talking legal shit. 
And what's happening with this law nerd merch that I'm ah, obsessed with? Ah, the law nerd wear? merch. My community named themselves the law nerds. So <gasps> I have a passionate and ride or die law nerd community. So when this went down yesterday, my Twitter blew up with people saying, and if you don't, if you're not in the law nerds world, you've all been listening to the end of this. You are now law nerds by by force because <laughs> yes, I've been in your ears for nerd. over an hour. You're all law Into nerds it. now. Into it. So they were like, when do we ride? When do we ride? When do we ride? Because when stuff pops up big, I'm like, we're going live. Fuck it. Let's talk about it. Let's. We all want to talk about it. Let's just go live and talk about it. So I live stream uh, frequently on YouTube. So the community of of Emily fans is the, the law nerd community. And we... We talk about the legal shit and we break it down with curse words. It's a lot of fun. Where can you guys, I wish you could see this merch, but you can, if you go online, where can people buy it? Uh, Lawnerdshop.com. Very easy. So yeah, it's, it's a really fun community. I've my YouTube channel and the legal commentary that I do has grown partly because of COVID because my consulting practice slowed down because I was like looking at all of my business owner clients going, Mm -hmm. what you all need to do right now is spend zero of the money. Legal stuff's not going to pop off. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your family. Take care of your businesses, which freed me up time-wise to do other things and started doing Mm -hmm. more and more legal commentary. Kanye West, you know, peed on a Grammy and leaked all of his recording industry contracts. And I was like, I'm gagging over here over this. I'm off to the races. We're going live and talking about it. And people are like, can you do this all the time? I was like, yes, I can do this all the time. So now I am a full-time content creator. I do legal commentary and the YouTube channel has almost hit a hundred thousand. <gasps> oh my God. That's so exciting. I, the law nerds and I agreed somewhere back around the 10,000 mark that I was going to dye my hair purple when we hit a hundred thousand. <gasps> so we're very excited to get that happening. Oh, that's a great color too for spring and I'm stuff. Very ready. I'm into it. Very ready for all purple hair. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And we really, we, the law nerd, kind of vibe is that we're we talk about lawsuits yes we talk about the people in them but we're not here to judge people we're here to judge actions we're here to talk mm-hmm. about the lawsuits and understand them and break them down with like you know when people were on live today going what's an indictment I'm like oh mm-hmm. let's break this down even further there's there's just a lot of love in that community the chat's really fun we heavily moderate it so there's there's no name calling and the the community's like no we don't do that here we have open and welcoming conversations, no stupid questions, no name calling and and away we go. Well, I feel like this was a natural fit because I think the AG audience is so smart and is interested in having, you know, these kinds of open conversations and really listen, we love the memes of it all. We love the sass, we love the humor, but there's also a lot of understanding underneath that. And it can be about the experience from a legal perspective, from an emotional perspective and from a what's next, how do we deal with this on reality TV perspective? And I think we hit the Holy Trinity with this convo. So I'm so appreciative for your time and your talent. This was a complete delight. Absolutely. Um, a total pledge. Total pledge. And AGs, listen, Andy Scrolls is now twice a week. Oh my God. It's so exciting. How do you say thanks? The Andy Scrolls Patreon, where you get exclusive bonus episodes and send me a couple dollars of cash a month. Uh, Patreon.com slash Andy Scrolls. I did a, an hour and 15 minute special episode um, the day the gen of it all broke to give my thoughts. So 100%. 
recommend listening to that. Subscribe to the podcast so that when you get a surprise emergency episode, you're the first <laughs> to listen. And rate the pod five stars on iTunes. Would really appreciate an Apple Pods um, mazel of the day, which goes a long way with the podcast. Hope everybody is doing okay. Um, listen, Lady Thank Liberty you. is how I'm now going to call you. The, <laughs> the official... Co- legal correspondent. Legal correspondent. Look at how official. Andy's girls. The 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 Bravo of it all now needs legal correspondence. I'm here. I was built for this. This is what I was made for. I mean, there are very serious legal commentators out there. I've probably done more trials than most of them, but I also have watched all of the Housewives since the beginning. And my husband's like, "Why are you? Why do we have to have Hulu for Housewives?" I'm like, "For Housewives, it was all leading to this. It's perfect." I mean, I feel like we need an agey specific sort of name. I'm thinking maybe Law Squad because <laughs> of the shot of it all. Guys, I'm very open to it. your suggestions. But when you come back, and I hope you do, we'll Absolutely. have some sort of promo opportunity related to that. So, guys, please slide into my DMs on Instagram at Dame Galley. And when I hit 10K on Instagram, maybe I'll dye my hair blonde because I do need to get highlights. I love that. But maybe also pink. I don't know who's to say. I mean, you could go blonde first and then add pink after. I mean, yeah, I mean, I am technically supposed to be spiritually blonde, but COVID hair means that I've gotten it colored exactly once in the last like 12 months. So I'll be back soon. I'll be actually 14 months. Math is hard. This is why I am not a math professor, but I could be a lawyer one day. You could be a lawyer one day. We definitely avoid the math. We'll see. I told my dad, my dad's a litigator, told him in college, toward the ends of college, went to school for musical theater performance. I was like, think I'm going to go to law school. And then I felt nauseous for 30 minutes. And he was like, Sarah, do you want to be a lawyer? I said, absolutely not. And he's like, maybe don't go to law school. Yeah, don't, don't spend that money. (laughs) <laughs> that solved that problem. <laughs> I love day. your dad for that. I love your dad for that. Who was like, I love you, but I don't want law school to break your spirit. So maybe that's not for you. Oh, yeah. I think I, I think it would be appropriate if I described him as a recovering attorney. I think same. that is. I mean, same. The way to and, do and it. And recovering right? attorneys are the most fun because they've like, they've done it. They've done it. They've done the things. They know the things. And they're like, yeah, it was fun while it lasted, but it's time to like do something else. Amen. Well, I am never going to be done with this because I die for you guys. I hope everybody's doing okay. Emily D. Baker, official legal correspondent for Andy's Girls. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, my pleasure. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye.